Teachers Supporting Teachers, the podcast sharing insights into being and becoming a teacher. I'm your host, Narelle Lemon, a professor in education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. I'm curious and I love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others and to create this podcast to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. This is Series 7 and I'm joined by five pre-service teachers who are currently undertaking a study tour and global practicum supported by the new Colombo Plan. We are recording as we are experiencing our time in Kaching, in Sarawak, Malaysia, Borneo. I'm so excited about this series, something a little different. So make a cup of tea and find a comfy place to sit or pop those earbuds in and go for a walk as you listen to Rachel, Lisa, Taylor, Steve and Lewis share their insights into and about being and becoming a teacher. Welcome to this episode, part three of our conversation as Australian and Malaysian pre-service teachers. And in this episode, co-hosted by Lewis and Stephen, we talk about our visions, our hopes for the future as teachers for the education sector, but also for the initial teacher education sector uh, internationally. And we ask some deep questions in terms of what kinds of changes we'd like to see made. Uh, what has the pandemic allowed us to really reflect upon? And what might that mean as we move forward? And we talk about our hopes and dreams of what might be possible. So enjoy this episode as a part of series seven and capturing our study tour experience here in Kaching, Malaysia, Borneo. Steve, do you have a question? I guess it's more of a conversation starter than a strict question. Um, but sort of in Australia at the moment, it feels like being a in the last 10-15 years has been some reasonable like um, additions and changes to curriculum and the way we're teaching and you know particularly in early childhood with the introduction of like national um, learning framework and um, the Australian curriculum as well primary and secondary and like there's a lot of new sort of pedagogical styles coming in there's a, a stronger focus on play-based learning um, bigger focus on outdoor learning and sustainability all these things are coming in and there's also maybe maybe it's not coming fast enough but there's increased funding and there's a big push to get more um, teachers into the sector and so at you know when I talk to my fellow students it really feels like we're part of this new wave of like young blood coming into teaching and that perhaps we have an opportunity to really shape it you know there's a big drive to increase the you know how teaching is perceived and pay and conditions and all these things and I think yeah, it really feels like we're perhaps on the precipice of change and so I guess my question particularly for you the Malaysian pre-service teachers is you know what are your visions for the future um, what kind of changes would you like to make in terms of schools and education um, yeah is, is there a comparable sensation for you among, personally and amongst your cohort 
Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you, Professor Nora. I think this is a really big question as well for us to ponder about because we have so much going on. We have so much things to change, so much, many, many years for us to see this change actually happening because we're not actually the ones committing it. We're just starting it, sparking things. In terms of what, what do I want for the future to change, especially when we have this much influence on children, especially on the young age, so we have early childhood education like Chen and Steve, we have primary schools education, we have secondary school education as well. So from the very beginning, I think the first thing you have, the first vision that I want for us to have as teachers, as young generation teachers, is for us to treat them as humanly as possible. Mm. So for us to aware, for us to be aware that they too have conflict issues, they too have mental health problems, even from a very very young age, and I think that would help if the society normalizes discussing that topic abroad, and then only then can we contextualize and bring it into the classroom, and then it'll be much easier for us to speak with the children, to speak with the child regarding self care, self affirmation, you know, taking maybe rewarding ourselves every now and then. So I think that's the first vision I would have is to treat children as humanly as possible, as human as they could be, as human as we could be. So there's there's still boundaries for us how on how we should act for the children. But then we have to think for ourselves as well. We need to treat ourselves as humanly as possible as well. So the the visions change as you have to be considerate for yourself and for your work field. Whereas you have this influence on the student, like Professor just said just now. And I like to think about how, when you said education is the key factor for change, the key with there being change, meaning something that is actually not really, we bring better to it, we bring better conditions to it. In terms of mental health, mental health education, you know, in terms of le young learners actually learning things from us, when we are at a better pace of ourselves, a better understanding of ourselves, we actually can tend to be more empathy, more, more empathetic to, to the children and we can just treat them as human as possible and not, not caring about, just like Steve said, the play-based learning, the outdoor learning is coming into town right now and then I think that's because of the society understanding that at an early age, we don't need to stress that much on achievements, academic achievements especially. We just need to shape them as humanly and hopefully, hopefully along the way they can learn and understand themselves better by themselves as well. So I'm curious to know about you and us. How, what, are, what are your visions? Since we are going into service, hopefully if there's, there's, and there's nothing, hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, next year. So uh, the beginning of the next year, since me and Anas are in our last semester this year, so we are graduating a little bit earlier than Louis. Few months earlier than Louis. <laughs> so what? What about you? How do you want the kids to all just your visions to the world? So my vision uh, in the teaching, right? So I want the better, uh, better integration of technology in the class. It's not like the technology will replace the teacher, but they will help the teacher to improve their teaching method. Which is, I as the physical education teacher, I want to use uh, VR or haptic, haptic feedback system uh, for them to really know which 
uh, 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 the children, the the one that we uh, teach, they will uh, feel like they are in the real situation. With that, they will uh, they will know uh, what kind of thing that uh, they should not do or what kind of thing that uh, really will make uh, them become become a better person. Right. For example, if I want to, uh, I am a physical a physical education, and I also teach uh, health education. So in health education, they will they will just be what we call be uh, exposed with situation in the books. Okay, not uh, real situation. By that, they will not know the real uh, the real thing that will happen. Uh, for example. Uh, the thing that will make them injured or they will make uh, them uh, be kidnapped okay. by using the technology they will know exactly what happened and then they will uh, they will able to avoid the situation uh, that's all so I hope we can uh, integrate better uh, in technology inside the classroom that is my vision he's hoping for more advanced technologies yeah. to come in and Hopefully, do hopefully make physical education more accessible to students, and not just just by watching videos. Maybe they can, yeah. like you said, VR, yeah. so they so feel that the, they can the real feel situation. the real situation. Yeah, mm. that's cool. And I guess I'll, I'll pose a similar question to some of our Australian research teachers, Lewis and Lisa. What dreams do you have? Well, I see myself moving to a small town on the Australian coastline. Um, I just have that like home and away esque image of. Uh, <laughs> Australia, <laughs> which I, I want that, basically, that's my dream, but I, I love to see myself becoming part of the community there, um, and as a teacher, your purpose isn't just to instruct lessons that are like, specifically within your subject area, but you become an important figure in the lives of the students in general, and the, the focus and the energy levels of each student is determined almost more by factors outside the classroom than within, like their diet, how much time they spend exercising, and their family life are as crucial to their success academically. Um, and there are times that the teacher will have to rely on the relationships that they've built with their students in order to understand their behavior. And this, the teacher may be the only person um, in a student's life that they feel that they can ask for help. Um, and this concept of like, um, the whole development of a student in the school of Tunku Putra, they sum it up with this word Ren, which is a Chinese uh, Confucian concept. Um, and this single word represents the whole growth of the student in their like path to maturity and adulthood. And I love that they've just like got it down to a single word. It like puts such a focus on it. Um, but I hope to help help my students on this path as much as uh, helping them path to academic success. Uh, what do you think, Lisa? Uh, well, for me, I'd really like to see a shift in the way PSTs are taught about working with neurodivergent children. Um, I know that this is a really broad stretch of... Yeah, I can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> it is a broad spectrum to cover across one unit um, within our degree. Um, I feel like it's such a big part of our student population um, that it should be included more across our own learning so that we can confidently walk into the classroom um, 
using many strategies that we're taught so that all children are getting what they need from their learning. Um, we, are, we are often taught that all children do learn differently, but I think having a deeper understanding on neurodivergence in particular would be so beneficial, not only for the children encountering their knowledge gaps, but also for teachers' stress levels, if they have a better understanding. Um, from what I've seen in previous placements, though, there is a lot of commentary um, very early on around which children have a diagnosis. Um, and, I, you know, for the most part, teachers do really care about their students and they do their best with what they can um, with all of the daily expectations placed on them in their role. Uh, I just feel that we could be doing a lot better uh, while we're still in our degrees and, and learning um, to understand the way, uh, I guess, the, the uniqueness of all of our little people. So that would be, I guess, something for me that I'd like to see um, shifted. Great visions, and both so different, but both so important as well. So thank you for those different perspectives. So we're heading into our last question for our podcast, and we're going to hear from everybody. And Lewis is going to pose the question. I wanted to ask the Malaysian pre-service teachers here, what do you plan to include in your teaching that you wish was included in the education that you received? And what change would you like to see in the next generation of students? Thank you for the beautiful question, Lewis. Well, throughout the whole podcast, I have I've I realized that my my broad topic or my broad theme was to be as human as possible. So I'm gonna go with that as well. I'm gonna go on board with that as well. So what education do I do I wanna change differs what differs from my education and what I want for my students to feel? is that they are feel they I want them to feel included as much as possible. I want them to feel that like Lisa said neurodivergent. So there's ways, there's many differentiated ways to teach students by students. I think we I think I want to for the future education, I want that to change. I want to be including I want to be including all sorts of brains for little people. Like Lisa said, I, I, I learned a new term today, little people. That's so <laughs> cute. <laughs> That's so cute by the way. So this, these little people deserve better education than I did. That's, that's the whole purpose of me being a teacher. I want them to be better than me so that they can serve a generation better when I was, uh, when I was learning. I guess that sums up everything that I, I stand for, for the visions for the younger educators, because all of us in this room have a similar understanding of what mental health looks like, of what self-care looks like, of what how of how hustle culture is actually killing us inside and not and not just, you know, the the wearing exhaustion as a honor badge is not something to be proud of actually. And I think if this is the generation of the younger the younger educators and the future educators, I think our education, especially here in Malaysia, is going to have a brighter one. So I guess that sums up this with I did I satisfy you? Okay. <laughs> I think we're going to move on to, I think, who's next? Anas, yeah. Okay. For me, I think uh, we have to be more open and brave to tell what you think. That is the most important thing that I want. Because of uh, some people, they tend to keep all the feeling to yourself, right? All the, well, the emotion, emotion, uh, emotion, the stress. But if we can open and tell other people, how exactly we feel, how exactly to 
treat them, uh, it will become yeah, different. Okay, we can uh, <laughs> we can be more. What do you call? Understanding. Yeah, understanding. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> we can be more understanding. Yeah. yeah. If we can tell everyone our feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be yeah. so complicated. Right? Yeah. Not be afraid to make mistakes because uh, I feel like um, everyone who makes mistakes tend to feel demotivated after that. They immediately feel like they're very, very. They are not worthy at all. They feel like, oh my god, why did I do this? I should have done this better. I should have done this. I should have done this. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's very important because once you are too hard on yourself, you tend to pressure yourself more. So, um, what I'm trying to say here is that uh, in order to be more mature, in order to become a better person, mistakes should be done. It's, you have to go through mistakes and a lot of experiences for you to become a better person and I think that is one thing people look past by because they feel like they need to be perfect they need like they feel like they need to do everything right in order to become someone worthy so do not be afraid to make mistakes and just learn from your experience to become someone much better than before yeah. mm. beautiful really nice uh, what I want to pass on to the future generation and also maybe to the person who are listening to this podcast alone is that I live well let me sum it up in one simple term one at a time sometimes you are chasing for many things in your life and it can get very it can get very terrible and hazardous for you because you can Overthink a lot, you can really mess up your life in a way that you yourself don't know what do you want to do next because there's a lot of things in your list. It isn't easy to compartmentalize the things that fill your head, and but as best that you can, figuratively uh, pack up the problem and in a box, in a bag, or whatever, and keep it somewhere in the back of the store. Because somehow, as me as a teacher, I can only teach one student at a time. I can I cannot focus on yes, I can focus on more, but the amount of knowledge that they gain will not be as what I want them to gain. And of course, uh, I also like to say to everyone that choose yourself best because well. Fun fact, fun fact, you don't have to save the world all the time and in the words of the cabin crew, please put your own oxygen mask. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all for me. What that's, about you? That's cool. <laughs> that's a very interesting point. That ask mm -hmm. is quite good. Always choose yourself. Mm -hmm. But here, I would like to come up with my own term throughout um, me being in IPG, which is person equality. This is a new term that I have come up with myself, by myself. Original <laughs> idea. Original <laughs> idea. Copyrighted. And <laughs> 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 this everyone. Um, it's a term that I come up with because I want us as a teacher see everyone as they are and not what... See everyone as they are and not what they're not. 
what they're not. What they're not. So I think that when it comes to person equality, I believe that everyone deserves uh, an equal chances in um, receiving education. Yes. So other than that, I also want to pass, the value that I wanted to pass to the next generation is be patient, enjoy the journey, and not the destination. Because when you enjoy the journey, you will realize the abilities that you have. But if you enjoy the destination, you only want want to win, and we don't want that. We want to enjoy the journey. We want to discover the abilities that we have. And as a teacher, I think that is really important to discover the advantage that you have, the pros and cons that you have, so we can be a better educators. So let's hear from Rebecca. Not to, not only towards others, but also towards ourselves. Yeah, like attitudes. You know, sometimes people say, okay, you have to respect every everyone, you have to be nice to everyone, but you also have to have the same attitude towards yourself. Like, uh, you 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 just you you don't just focus on others. Okay. Uh, aside from having good grades, uh, attitude is also very important because for me myself, I grew up with an environment where everyone is very smart. Like they get straight A's, they get four flats, you know. But their attitude is not quite good. They are quite rude to like elderlies, like even their friends. They they're very not. It's not a nice behavior, you know, because uh, we live in this small we we. We are not alone. We live in people. Yeah, we make friends. We have relationship with everyone. So it's really uh, important to have a good relation uh, attitude towards people, and also towards ourselves. You know, sometimes we care too much about people, but then we forget about ourselves. You know, we forget how to respect ourselves. There are boundaries. There are things that we cannot do. So we have to respect. You know, our body. You know, our body is not uh, all the time. Yeah, we have to respect that. So that's all a positive attitude to understand also. What about you, Chen? So uh, for me, what I want to pass on to the younger generation, to the future generation is don't give up. Don't give up. Actually this one uh, I want to share a little bit about myself, my self experience in which actually I applied for IPG for three times. I applied IPG for three times, and the first time I applied, I fell. And then the second time I tried again, I reapplied in IPG, and I fell again. <laughs> I fell again. But then Scott, on the third attempt, finally I about to get into PG. So for me, we should not let the failure to define ourselves, but we can let the failure to teach ourselves. Uh, we learn from mistakes. Try to be proactive and don't be afraid to taking risks. Mm. Because uh, every just you just need to believe in yourself. Everything will come to you when it is the right time. Because there is mm. for me. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Everyone. That's beautiful. Everything will come to you at the right time. Yeah. So we'll bounce that question back to the Australian pre-service teachers. What change would you guys like to see? happen in the next generation? Um, I guess some people have been touching on some very similar ideas in terms of like, you know, if we can have, you know, better conversations about well-being, you know, children will learn from that and, you know, they'll pass it on and etc. And I guess I'm tapping into a similar idea going from sort of community then to onto the idea of citizenship um, and then like 
we're in an increasingly global world, and this podcast right now is evidence of that. You know, we've um, got people with, from all sorts of places, all sorts of backgrounds and identities um, in the room today, and um, you know, every, every classroom is likewise. Um, yeah, people full of children and families and teachers with their own stories, and so. Um, yeah, I, really, I sort of I'll elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, this idea of citizenship—it's global, um, it's also civic in our communities, and sort of environmental as well. And uh, I really think that actually children should be seen as active decision makers because um, they live in our communities, they live in our world, and they're also inherited. But um, you know, it's not just the future; it's also about the present too. And actually, I think they can make a, a positive difference and an impact. And so, as a an adult in charge of or responsible for a group or a class of children, um, they don't have a lot of capacity to advocate for themselves, but I can sort of do that on their behalf and create opportunities um, to yeah, advocate and organise um, and yeah, assist them to act upon the world around them, not, not telling them what to say, but just sort of being a messenger for their existing ideas and beliefs. Um, and I even just had a, a little example from local to where I live, where um, I think it's a school or something, and as well as some just some local people, um, they let they sort of gave this little laneway between some houses over to like a group of local children, and they started to put artworks up and things like that. And I guess that's a really small thing, but it's just what was a, I guess a little um, concrete alleyway or whatever is now. It's sort of quite a beautiful space that I, I sometimes go on a, a walk through, and it's quite nice now. And actually, like already, just something little by giving agency over, you've actually made the world a better place. Um, yeah. I think that yeah, I think that's my sort of dreams and vision. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd like to pass on to my future students is just really to keep their sense of curiosity, uh, to keep asking questions, and to learn a healthy balance between to continue challenging them, themselves in their learning, but also understand when it's okay to put up their hand and say that they need to take a break and take care of themselves. Um, that's it. Sorry, mine's not really that deep. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor? <laughs> um, I want to influence a generation of critical thinkers and people who are passionate to keep learning. When students are finished uh, their secondary schooling, you see this excitement and this colour as they're figuring out what their future is like, if they're going to university, what opportunities are they going to take, and I don't want to see that spark go out as an adult. Um, learning is a continuous process, and I want to pass on that passion and initiative to keep learning as your interests and goals change and evolve with you as you grow up and experience more of the world. My answer is a little bit more cheesy, um, and it actually relates a little bit back to yours, Chen, that you said before, but I would like my future students to feel supported in knowing they can achieve absolutely anything they set their mind to. Um, I'm a big believer in believing in yourself and your abilities, even if sometimes they seem a little far-fetched at times. And another thing I'd like to believe in as well is just don't tell your, your spark for the sake of fitting in. Be yourself, boost passion and, 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 and sorry, enthusiasm wherever you go. And just relating back to our coaching experience, I feel like all of us can definitely say that we've done all of that. So, yeah, it's been a really great experience and, yeah, that's what I would like to pass on. Done and will continue to pass on and I think each and every one of you is passing on beautiful passion, 
love, enthusiasm, care, kindness, honesty, vulnerability, how to be a whole person, heart and head, heart and mind. And I think that is beautiful. And I think for our time together on this podcast, and we're calling it an episode, but I think we're almost probably going into a mini show. (laughs) 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 Which is just beautiful. And it, it is a beautiful representation of the passion that you all have and are taking into our classrooms. And it has been an honor to work with you all and to hear you share with such honesty and to watch you all bounce off each other as well and have beautiful insights. Um, and it's been a privilege to be able to host you all on the Teachers Teachers podcast. So thank you. sparked ideas, provided comfort or supported you on your professional growth, I'd love for you to take a moment to share your thoughts on social media and I invite you to do this with the hashtag Teachers Supporting Teachers or you may like to leave a review on Apple. Thank you to Magnus Mooney for the music. Thank you to my dear colleagues Australian and Malaysian for joining us as a part of Series 7. And as you reflect on part three of our three-part discussion, I really invite you to think about what are your dreams, hopes, visions for the future of education. Thanks for joining us.